If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. But today we're actually going to do things a little bit differently, because today we have Mike Gamble, the head of strategy for Talent House Media Foundry. Thanks for joining. Lovely to be with you. Lovely to have you as well. I'm glad you could make it because, as I mentioned, this is a little bit of an unusual episode where we usually talk to a specific developer and the audience is more tailored to those who are going to play the games. But for you, you're actually more focused on the developers themselves. You want to help them bring their games to fruition, which I think is a great thing. And it's why I, I definitely wanted to have you on to talk about uh, this new platform that you're starting. But before we get into all that, um, you do have an interesting background. Uh, Mike, tell me a little bit about you know yourself and kind of why you're passionate about gaming in the first place. Sure. Um, well, I mean, before I ever got into the industry, I was into gaming in the sort of real early days here in the UK on the ZX Spectrum. Yeah, um, okay. So 8-bit, cassette-loaded, you know, rubber keys and all the mm-hmm, rest of it. Yeah. And I absolutely loved, you know, loved that early scene. And so it was always something that I was interested in. Um, then in the sort of early 90s, I joined the toy industry. I'm an engineer by trade, weirdly, um, gotcha. uh, at Parker and MB Games, working on board games. Oh, very cool. And I always had an eye on, you know, wanting to get into the video games industry, which was beginning to turn into a bit more of a, a kind of an organized industry at that point. Right. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get a gig at what you would describe, I guess, as an independent developer in 1995. Um, building games, well, um, well, it was just at the beginning of the sort of PC, CD, ROM sort of uh, revolution, I suppose, and mm-hmm. we were building games for PC, CD, ROM. Wow, very cool. And and you spent a good time, uh, you know, jumping a little bit forward uh, over at Epic. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. Uh, well, fantastic. I mean, I joined Epic in two thousand and eleven. I'd, I'd known Mark Rain and Jay Wilbur and Tim Sweeney for. Uh, well, since the late 90s when I was at Microsoft. And um, it came about that they were looking for somebody to to look after the Unreal Engine licensing business in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I joined to do just that, to run the licensing business and built it up over the 10 years I was there, you know, from me in my bedroom, basically <laughs> up to, uh, you know, a, a team of uh, six or seven people, um, and you know consummate revenue but but the whole thing with it is the great thing at epic was their their view on how you sell engines because it is mm-hmm. you know it, it is selling them in the end is is you you make the process of development as easy as you possibly can for the developer um, because right. if they're successful then you become successful and that kind of ethos has informed everything that i'm doing at, with talent house it's that idea that um, you know, small developers can be hooked up with the things they don't have and be made uh, and helped along to be better and su- more successful. 
Right. I, I love the notion. I think that does make sense because that was one of my my main questions when I first saw you and your background was really like, okay, how did you go from this idea of managing the Unreal Engine to then working for a company like Talent House, right? You know, what was that, what was it that really spoke to you as this is the next calling to to start helping people in in kind of the same, you know, you're helping those indie developers, but in a much different way? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a purely by chance meeting, as these, I guess as these things often are. I met the right. founder of Talent House, a lady called Maya Bogle, who is a fascinating, very, you know, very intelligent woman and passionate about making sure that creators of, um, you know, of anything, but entertainment or whatever, creators kind of have a fair say in, in what they create and, and get paid for. And mm-hmm. so she built Talent House with, you know, with some, with a bunch of other people to do exactly that. And so Talent House, before I came along, has got this massive community, you know, four million plus of, I guess, what you would call artists. And some of them are photographers, videographers, traditional, you know, um, pen and paper artists, you know, paint and, you know, whatever, some 3D artists, you know, a whole mix. And what they do is they get pitches from big brands like, coca-cola or warner brothers or whatever which are put out to this massive community who then come back with their take on these pitches and the brand owner uh, chooses which one they want and they do the deal and they all get paid and the, and the artwork's used right. now talking to her um what struck me straight away was they have no representation within the games industry at all they had no touch points to the games industry so they had all of these brilliant creators and fascinating artists and you know, skilled people in their community. And at no point were they thinking, hell, games is very creative. You know, there right. must be some way of, of kind of joining up. So, um, you know, we talked and we, you know, did some, talked about stuff and did all sorts of things. And then when I came, decided it was time for me to, to leave Epic, I kind of said to them, well, hey, why don't I kind of pitch you this idea of using what you've built, but then building a games offering and in fact an entertainment media because it won't just be games eventually it will be film and tv and music etc yeah uh, that that kind of sits alongside what you've already built uses a lot of the back-end technology which is key um and brings this whole new market but also conforms to the kind of ethics of the company which is supporting creators and making sure creators get a fair deal and you know get to do what they are good at creating right. So that is uh, such a fascinating idea, and I love the way that you you transitioned to this idea of creatives can definitely live in the gaming space, right? Because you need a lot of creativity and uh, craft to create games. But I'm I'm interested in a little bit before we talk about Media Foundry because that was the platform that kind of spawned off of what Talent House was beforehand. Can you give me a little bit of an understanding on really what Talent House does? Because you kind of explained it in in the way of what seems like uh, very much a consultant type work, where these these pieces are are coming through and and people are not really consulted, but maybe like contractors. Can you give a little bit of a, a rundown yeah. on kind of how that works from Talent House's perspective? Yeah, because it because whilst it does look like that, it's it's not quite that in a sense so and i think the the fundamental piece to understand is the technology that sits behind it all 
Mm-hmm. And so Talent House operates in basically two broad ways. You, uh, so say I'm, well, I'm me and I want, I want to create a bunch of posters and, and maybe assets for a viral campaign to promote me as whatever. Sure. You know, I, I, I don't know why, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, you, you just got a big ego and you got to show it off. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so I, I could go to Talent House and I could say, hey, I, I've got this brief. You know, I want you. I want ten pieces of art commissioned that could be painted on the walls in LA during E3, as right. often happens. Um, uh, and I and, and then I have a choice. I can either have it as an open brief, which means it's publicly hosted on the talent on on the Talent House website on their platform, and anybody who's in their community can basically pitch against it. You know, can mm. fulfil the brief. Right. Uh, and then I can look at, you know, however many thousands would turn up because there would be thousands and pick the one I want. Uh, that, right. and, and that's a kind of a very shotgun approach. But it's beautiful in a way because it could turn up something which is very unusual or different. This this community of, of creators is spread across 195 countries. So culturally, there's a massive, um, you know, very diverse. And so, I, you know, I might get some guys in the Philippines or a guy in the Philippines pitching something that's really ace or a girl in India, you know, something that's just different and right. surprises me. Uh, and or the other method is that I can put it as a closed brief, which is sort of private and Talent House would curate maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20, however many creators that kind of fit my demographic um, to pitch against my brief. And to interesting my brief and they're able to do that with the sort of massive scale because mm-hmm. of the back-end tech they built to manage that and that's kind of what makes it all possible and that's what makes it possible to bring this into the games industry as well gotcha so it's it's uh in a way like a giant system for sourcing yeah it's a matchmaker it's kind of a matchmaker it's a cross between a matchmaker and a sourcing thing but what's beautiful again about talent house and the way they operate is if again i'm this guy in the philippines and i win you know i win the pitch and i get i you know i pay the guy whatever he would get exactly the same amount of money as as, as if somebody in london had won the pitch right right it, it, the pricing is not localized so for somebody who's in a you know a different location somewhere like the Philippines, it could make a real difference and businesses yeah. could be built on the back of these winning these pitches. Yeah, that's I I love that notion because you're paying for the quality of an item, right? You're not paying exactly. for just what's the cheapest bang for my buck that and you can get. That's key because of this because of its quality work, you know, wherever it comes from, and that's what's valuable, not the fact that just because someone's in a, you know, a cheap part of the world to live or whatever, they should get less. Yeah, no, I love I love the idea behind that. But now let's transition a little bit. We we talked about Talent House. Now there's this new platform, this new notion, Talent House Media Foundry. And uh, you know, going into video games, I think it makes a lot of sense that there would be pieces that you could obviously source for. As far as you know, maybe I don't have the skills to do uh, the music for something, or maybe I don't have the skills to to do this specific 3D artwork, whatever it might be, right? Um, but Media Foundry going through kind of the the rundown of it looks a little bit different than just what we talked about uh, before. Is. Can, yeah. can you give me like, let's say like an elevator pitch, right? Why why should people be excited about Media Foundry? Okay, so I guess the elevator pitch is what Media Foundry does for independent developers is um, 
supplements them with the skills and resources they don't have Mm -hmm. in-house. So if we go back a little bit into my history at at Epic, one thing I saw far too often was that you would get a small team of guys, you know, half a dozen, maybe they'd split off from a a big studio. So they were not newbies, you know, they were skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would kind of bet the farm on building this game that they'd always dreamed of building, and it would be lovely and it would be a great game, but they hadn't kind of invested in the skills they didn't have. So they were great game developers, but they didn't have marketing or biz dev or whatever. Right. So the games launched and just kind of, you know, well, you know what it's like on Steam. You know, discovery yeah, yeah. is the you know the big problem, and and without the things that are kind of built around the outside of the core of the game. Uh, it's going to be much less successful. I mean, occasionally you get you know lightning in a bottle, but but mostly if you don't market your game, it's not going to be seen by anyone. You're not going to sell any. Um, and so it was that taking that idea, having seen it so many times, and thinking, right, well, we can provide these things to independent games developers that they don't have, and they uh, and it it means that they don't have to employ people. They can do this on the, a sort of case by case basis, project mm-hmm. by project, or even just if they want influencer marketing or they want a concept artist or you know just one little bit of what they don't have or they could you know grab a whole package of things that they might need um right. and so that that's where it differs i suppose from the talent house model insofar as we are almost providing much more targeted resources into development of games gotcha gotcha and you you touched upon this a little bit, you know, and I think it makes sense based on your background. But uh, you mentioned that down the road there would be more of an emphasis on different forms of media, so not just games when it comes to Media Foundry. What was it about um, helping out independent developers and and sticking to video games as this first phase of this that kind of spoke to the team? I think it was because it's my expertise. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm reasonably well known in the industry, um, certainly within the European industry, you know, for having great um, contacts and great networks and being, you know, being an honourable person as well. So what I <laughs> tend to do, you know, what I say I tend to do and, you know, what have you. So, um, and basically, I, I mean, I pitched it to them, I suppose, is the only way you talk about it. And I built, you know, I spent three months kind of building out um, virtually on, you know, slide decks and diagrams and all sorts of things, how this could work. And and they took a look through it. We talked at length and they said, yeah, okay, let's, we think this is absolutely on the money. Let's build it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and to clarify, this is when someone's interested in saying, uh, getting help with their projects, right? This is based on a membership of signing up for Media Foundry? No, not, not really. Well, yes and no. So we've launched the core site, which is the free site. We'll talk okay. about that in a minute. But there were, the next sort of throughout next year, we'll be launching a series of hubs, which are kind of the professional site. And so there'll be there's no sign up per se necessary. Um, but when you identify the skills that you need or the, the the line items that you need, you know, you then talk to us and we put a price against that, and we work right. out how that's you know how you, how we provide that to you and how you we get the value back from it. Um, so it's quite a traditional model from that extent in, mm-hmm. in as far as that there's always a conversation point of it to be honest because it's 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 not something that can be utterly automated right right there has to be some understanding of what the game developer is is missing looking to achieve you know 
and often gotcha. having that conversation will clarify further what they are looking for. And is that someone from from Talent House having that conversation with them, or is it more of they put that out into the world and then creators will come and and discuss with them kind of what they're looking for? It's um in the first instance, it's with my team who are all ex games dev people, people I've worked with in uh, Epic and other places. Um, who have joined joined me in, on this mad venture, um, uh, but then also what part of exactly what you described? Part of this is also, you know, perhaps framing these questions in a pitch, as it were, and putting it either to the depending on on how confident the uh, the developer is, it could be put out, you know, as an open pitch, an open question to and have answers from everybody, or we could curate it and put it out to. 10 other devs or 10 other, you know, 10 other you know, kind of experts in the area who could answer that for them. Hmm. Interesting. So it's and sort of a hybrid. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like a lot of this will be case by case basis. How do you as especially the head of strategy, how do you manage the, the expectations when someone comes into this place, right? Like what, what would you say is the the ideal or the the average process, you know. Let's say I want something to the nature of, oh, I, I need help with uh, with marketing for my game, right? What does that discussion look like, and that process look like for someone like me trying to to get help from Talent House? So, in the first instance, we understand so through conversation, um, sort of where they are on that journey. So, uh, talking to a developer right now, actually who actually have already got a, a PR marketing agency involved in their product. So mm -hmm. that then means that we there's certain functions that they don't need, but they have, they're lacking in certain other functions within marketing. So it's a conversation. But if, if, if a developer is saying, right, okay, we have no marketing, we're a year out from launch, um, six months would be a bit, little bit too short, but you know, say we're a year out from launch, right. what, what, what can we do? And we have a menu, basically, and, and that, oh. but the first part of that menu is a kind of PR and marketing health check. So we mm -hmm. take we have a, a group that will look at what they have, what their thinking is, what they've done so far, if anything, and suggest a plan. Hmm. And then we can either execute on that plan with them using Media Foundry resources, or they're quite ha they're quite you know free to take that plan because they would have paid for it, take that plan elsewhere. And contract a marketing group, or or just or try and do it themselves. So at no point is there any kind of locking in or, um, you know, forcing them to use us. Per right. Se. Okay. Um, and so as I said, so they might just choose to have the PR and marketing health check, and that's great, and we'll deliver that, and they they can go execute on it. Alternatively, they might choose to buy everything we can offer for marketing, which is mm -hmm. basically everything from pre-launch right the way through to post-launch including influencer marketing um a kind of a preview day with media um you know all, all the elements that you would put together to launch a title um and in a sense one way of looking at it as as a package is it we, we kind of provide if somebody wanted to buy everything we provide it essentially is everything that a publisher would do for a developer right. except publishing and that, okay. that's kind of key because what that allows a, a developer to do, it, it then gives them choice. They can choose whether to self-publish. They can choose whether to go to a publisher. We're not saying 
at all. We're making publishers redundant, publishers are bad, blah, blah. You know, it just, it, it, allow, it gives the developer choice and the ability to make informed decisions about the route they take to market and gotcha. prepare their products in the best way possible. I like the I like the idea behind it. Um, let's talk about something that I'm sure people who are interested in this will will have as like one of their first thoughts, which is pricing, right? Sure. Um, when it comes to to how you know uh, money works from what deliverables or what goods that they're purchasing from you, how does it work from a a perspective of you know? Uh, like taking a, a step back, usually the people who are in these places that are these these independent developers, whether they are a small team, whether they are a solo dev, uh, they they generally have a pretty tight budget, right? And yeah. one of the things that I saw on your website was that you are specifically never or not trying to ever you know own the rights or the IP for their product. You want to keep that in the developer's hands. Correct. What what from a pricing uh, model? are you doing to to help those developers so it's not as you know sure. tough for them to to actually get your help so interestingly when we were putting this together or when i was putting it together and costing it in a weird bit of synchronicity and it might be a, some sort of strange bias going on in me anyway it comes <laughs> it comes out to about the same sort of level that a buyout of unreal would be if you chose to buy the engine without a royalty gotcha um, now, that's an awful lot of money, and very few developers do that. And I don't think anyone in our key market or target market would want to do that. They, there may be one or two, but that's not, that's not a thing. Right. Um, but what that allowed me to do is kind of view the pricing as in the same way that you could view middleware. And so um, we haven't set the pricing 100%. It will, mm -hmm. uh, the pricing will always be public on, our web, on the website, so there's never going to be any kind of hidden bits. That's good. Um, but, I, but the, one, of, one of the routes we'll be taking is this idea of an upfront payment of, a, of an amount and then maybe a one or two point royalty on the back end to us. Um, gotcha. And what, what's critical here is we're talking about product revenue royalty. And so that's royalty after deductions uh, for route to market. So after Steam have taken their 30% or you know, PSN, XBLA, taken mm -hmm, their 30%. Mm -hmm or Epic has taken its 12%, you know, whatever the route to market, it's it's a kind of a net. So after their their, their costs for route to market have gone out, that's that's the figure on which the royalty is then calculated. Gotcha. Um, but again, that, that can still be quite, uh, it's not, not necessarily an insignificant amount of money for a developer to find. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we're also working on, well, two areas we're working on, we've got relationships with uh, investors who are looking to invest in games developers, uh, Very cool. particularly games developers who have uh, their own IP that, that they are looking to take, um, not only to games, but film and TV and cross-media or has potential for cross-media. So um, one of the last bits we'll, we'll build and, and deliver, which will be towards the end of next year, is this matchmaking service with investors who are looking for types of product. Hmm. Um, and we're also looking at way a way of building a crowdfunding solution that would give you a sort of Series A funding for a developer before, and so they can get to a vertical slice or a, a good prototype um, before taking it to the investor if, if they haven't gotten that far already. So interesting. Again, kind of based on working with developers for such a long time and um, knowing that they have, you know, they spend all their money on building the game, which is right and proper. Right. Uh, there has to be alternative methods of, of funding 
you know, otherwise, otherwise we would be on a hiding to nothing here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you mentioned it and I know it seems like you're very early on into, into the phase of development, but I'm, I'm very interested in that crowdfunding, uh, piece of it. Could you elaborate a little bit more on kind of what your thoughts are right now, uh, as far as you mentioned crowdfunding before it gets to those immediate invest investors? Is this, you know, cause I'm thinking of crowdfunding, something like a, a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, but it sounds like this is more of crowdfunding before it even gets to some state that it would be on one of those sites. Am I yeah. wrong in it, that? It, it, it is. We're looking to try and create a system that, that is possible to, to you know, get some uh, seed money from earlier. Th- right. There will need to be some, you know, it's, we're not going to be able to do it on the back of a, you know, napkin type. Design. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. But, you know, there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's more than that. Uh, there's not too lot I can, a whole lot I can say about it other than it's something that's got me very excited, that, an approach that, that I think we've identified. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I can't say anything more. No, about that's that's it. that's quite all right. I didn't expect uh, too much more, honestly, because it, it sounds like it is very early uh, in in conceptualization. But it just it's something that I think is is very cool, and I can't wait to hear more about. Um, that being said, I want to take a step back because we've we've dived really deep into some of the things that are upcoming. But you did mention that uh, so far there has been a a free site that has come about, which has a number of resources available. Yeah. So things like uh, certain reports or certain editorial pieces that uh, are, are catered towards helping out individual uh, individual developers. Can you um, give us a little bit on, you know, elaborate a little more on what kind of pieces uh, of reports or, or content we might see in this site? Sure. So there's, um, there's a lot of editorial. In, in the initial stages, that editorial is Pretty much focused on uh, the things game developers need to need to know, um, and so that can be anything from the best way to approach social media, how to rate my game, do I need to rate it, QA and localization, why that's important, how you go about it, who, you know who you can talk to, mm-hmm. you know, so kind of really nuts and bolts stuff. Which for you know some developers will be well we know all that already, but for lots of people starting out probably. You know, there'll be nuggets in amongst that which will be very useful. Right. Um, and so that's that's what we've launched with. We then have an editorial policy which we're building, kind of which is we're never. It's never going to be a news site, but it mm-hmm. will kind of have an opinion and it will talk about things which are kind of at the top of everyone's minds at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, a good example is right now we have two articles talking about sort of um, the metaverse. Hate to use it. Uh, web 3.0 or whatever we want to call it right um but it's such a horrible buzzword at the moment but it's and sort of nfts and crypto and one of them is you know nfts they're a bleak abysmal you know hole kind of thing they're the worst thing that could ever happen and then there's a sort of counter argument to that sort of saying you know nfts in the metaverse is the best thing that's ever happened to games developers you know and so there's these two complete polar opposite articles written by two different people um, that we've sort of staged opposite each other uh, as two sides of the argument. And of course, as, as per normal, the, the reality lies somewhere in the middle. Right. Um, but um, so it's that sort of interesting content that we'll be adding to more and more, as well as the more nuts and bolts. Gotcha. Um, but then we also have a twice yearly market research report, um, which is very much about what consumers are doing, you mm. know, who's playing what. 
And so this first report that's on there at the moment is interesting because it covers the period throughout this last year and the sort of recovery from COVID, which, you know, during COVID, we saw a massive uptake in games playing. Obviously, there is a downturn now, but it quantifies right. that and talks about um, kind of what genres have been, uh, you know, you know, have recovered or, or not dipped so much, you know, what people are playing, why they're playing it, the age groups, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's really good, really good information. Interesting. Um, how Dark are you? Uh, how how are you pulling a lot of that information? Where are you uh, getting a lot of those analytics from? So we have uh, there's a, a group called Some Research, headed up by a guy called Sean Dromgall, um, who's this is their bread and butter. They do this, um, you know, so you can commission them as a developer to do this for you. Gotcha. Uh, and so we commissioned them. I mean, I, I've used him and seen his work for years, and I, I think it's absolutely spot on. So we commissioned him to provide this twice a year very cool very cool uh um, and i i did want to just backstep uh, a little bit on the editorial um i think it's very interesting that you have you know those those more opinionated pieces you have the nuts and bolts how are you making sure that these are uh for lack of a better term i guess accurate you know like how, how do we know that this is coming from uh minds that that really know what they're talking sure. about right so we, um, with the editorial we launched with, I commissioned a group to build, to write all of those for me. It's a, a group called Project N. They run a whole bunch of websites around gaming, uh, PC Games N being one of them. Again, headed up by a friend of mine from years back. Um, very accomplished journalists and um, accurate as well. You know, do their research yeah. and build these things properly. Plus, I read them all before we put them on the... <laughs> so they're kind of fact checked and then for the more um topical or the more you know discussion type editorial uh basically we take pitches if somebody wants to write a piece for the site they're welcome mm-hmm. to they get paid for it um but you know they send us a pitch and we'll review it and say yeah that sounds kind of interesting and then obviously we'll, we'll review the final um you know the final product and edit as required and check for accuracy wow well, that's, I mean, you sure are a man of connections. You weren't lying about that. Uh, I'll tell seems... you, totally. <laughs> uh, uh, one way of looking at this, it's the culmination of 30 years in the games industry. That is true. That is true. Maybe one day I'll have that many connections. Um, but that being said, uh, there is another uh, third piece of, of the free site that I think is super interesting. Um, it was mentioned that you provide uh, something called the furnace. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about this. What exactly is the furnace and why should people be excited about this? Okay, so the furnace is essentially scraping Steam data um, to allow a developer to um, look at that data and view that data through the lens of their product. So you can go onto the furnace, it's, you know, it, it's on the site, and you can put in a bunch of keywords, uh, select a bunch of keywords that kind of describe your product in a sense so it's a you know science fiction rts on mac mm-hmm. a, a, with aimed at three-year-olds i mean unlikely but you know, <laughs> that's, that's a quite, a, quite <laughs> a specification <laughs> yeah uh, and then it will and so and then what it will do it will pull up from steam data um you know scraping steam uh similar games and mm-hmm. and then what you can do is uh click on those games and it will dive in and it will give you their user base, MAUs, you know, their review scores, um, when they launched, whatever financial information, you know, so 
how much it costs to to buy you know all, all that kind of stuff right which, which hopefully will allow a developer to look at what they're up against obviously it doesn't do games that run released but at least it will show what their their peer group is for want of a better word yeah um and allow them to make maybe some informed decisions about sort of how they launch their game on what platforms they launch their game etc yeah um, it's it's pretty neat actually i i think it's great i mean it's um it's not it's not magic it's just bundled up in a in a user friendly fashion you know you can I guess go and do all that for yourself, but it, it will be a ton of work. It's a lot of work, yeah. It's a lot of yeah. spreadsheet work. <laughs> exactly. So basically, we've done it for you. Yeah, I I think it's great, and that's that's just specifically for Steam, though, correct? That's correct. Now, hopefully, um, and it's a bigger task, uh, is that we will try and extend that onto other platforms. That may be part of the services side of stuff. We haven't decided yet. Right. Um, because obviously data gets harder to come by, especially on the first party platforms, you know, the console, yeah. et cetera. Um, yeah. But we've got some ideas about how we might at least approach that. Um, Interesting. I would love to be able to extend it out across other platforms for sure. Right. I mean, I, I think it would be great because you would get such a good full scope of what the market looks like. You can see is, you know, a specific genre or specific like niche oversaturated right yeah uh, and that's exactly the point and so if you're if you've got an even if you're you know again you're six guys in a garage and you're just about starting out with your idea uh, and you look at and like you say you look on the furnace then that might dissuade you from you know creating a battle royale game called daytime or something <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, it's you know it, it's it's meant to give you that because you know, knowledge is power, isn't it? You know, data yes. is, is is important and valuable. So, the more you can put into the hands of an independent developer, the better decisions they can make. That's great. Um, I I'm very excited for for what's to come with Talent House. I think this is a really cool endeavor. You've got some great ideas. I know there's still a lot that's cooking uh, in in the pan, but. Um, but some great stuff overall, and it's been a pleasure talking with you, Mike. I do have one final question, though, and yep. that's some advice. I always love asking this. I usually I'll I'll ask you know the the indie devs who are are working on uh, their game or their games, and and ask for you know what if someone started uh, and or what would you have said to yourself before the project had started? What advice would you give? I think this is a little different based on where you're at, but I think you also have such a wealth of experience in this field that it kind of makes sense. So um, let me just open the floor to some general advice that you might give to to those uh, independent developers who are looking to get started. Sure. Uh, I would. Uh, I think my one key piece of advice is network. Build your network. Talk to yeah. other games developers. Go to shows, which is harder than ever at the moment, but <laughs> you know, it's digital ways of talking to people um, because the industry is very open. People love talking about their games, but also they're passionate about video games anyway. So, so you know, no one's or very few people are kind of hiding what they're mm -hmm. building. So talk to people, talk to them about their experience and just build that network because of, it's a small industry in lots of ways and you you never know when somebody you met you know could be just the person you need to talk to about something else right um, uh, and yeah just get out there meet people talk about your game talk about their games it'll pay back in spades 
I agree. I think that is great advice. For those listening, Talent House Media Foundry is currently live. Go check out their page if any of this sounded interesting to you. Once again, Mike, thank you so much for joining today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.